Where did you go to school? And who is your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan worshipping Freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of here! There are much more powerful international forces in play. Is this pink guy? Is this what pink guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. Please go outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys. We just want to tell this, mate. Mate, because I want to do this, Well, I ain't spending any time on it. Well, here it is, the Conditional Release Program's 100th show. Yay! When Joel told me our 100th show was coming up, I felt emotions. <laughs> Mainly anger for him interrupting me, then yes. kind of sleepy, then angry again, followed by even more anger, then denial, bargaining, depression, before finally coming to acceptance. Angry acceptance. Yes, that is your trademark series of events there. Uh, Jack and I have put in literally hundreds of hours to amuse our listeners. That's you on, you know, cons, crooks, cultists, idiots. And as we said in our original intro, and when I told Jack our 100th was coming up, and once he got through the anger, he told me this. Clip show, Joel. Nature's answer to hitting that production budget. Trawl our previous 99 programs and give them the good stuff. I'm off for a lie down. Yeah, and that's what you're going to get. I totally agree. I'm keen for a break. The very best, though, is coming your way of almost two years of the program. Yes. Two long years. That's like 20 in dog years. Yeah. Two years of the week in Pete Evans, of course, until he got a bit boring. He got a bit boring. And about six months of the good-looking boy, Eric Trump, who promptly faded from view, possibly due to a tropical skin disease. So appalling, he's not permitted to leave the house anymore. Terrible skin, that boy. Mm, but good-looking boy. Good-looking good looking boy. boy, terrible skin. And we've got about 12 months of which Black People Fuckwit said that, which I've got to trawl through and find the best and the brightest that we're going to put before you in this episode. And it includes my very favourite, and I think Joel's too, uh, episode of uh, Sovsets V the Man, featuring the arrest of Wayne Glue. Oh, yeah. That's a keeper. The snapping turtle, up for 14 years. Aww. We do want to thank our beloved patrons for their support along the way. Without your generosity, God knows where we'd be. I mean, lying down probably. Doing government cheese in a van down by the river, Joel. We know that. Absolutely. And we do remind all freeloaders that you too can become supporters of episodes 101 and beyond by dropping us a bit of coin through the Patreon. For as little as five subs a month, you can breach the rock-solid paywall and enjoy all our extraneous musings. Yes, you can. Just simply go to patreon.com backslash the conditioner release program. Have a look around, you know, join us for a chat session. We're going to do a Zoom on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got all sorts of overflow on people's treaty crap we're going to do. And while the free listeners are getting lumped in with a clip show this week, we will have an overflow this week for our lovely patrons with all sorts of bizarre shit in it. We will. And a Zoom call and all that kind of stuff. It's so now happening. let's get on with it so I can resume being horizontal. Fair. I, I wish for the same. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. Conditional release program. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy oh. birthday, the conditional release program. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. It's to been a long two years. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us, guys. It's been good. We have broke cooking news to the world. Jack gave his election tips, which made a lot of people a lot of money. But here are our two favorite stories from the past two years. So this clip is from episode 36 and was one that stood out for me because it ticked all the boxes. It was a conspiracy theory which came from a kernel of truth, but was then blown into something completely different, which was, as usual, incredibly stupid and very funny. 
They are predictable, if not anything. And we should do a rabbit hole on Mike Adams. This guy is incredible. He is interesting insofar as he's made a lot of money terrifying people and then selling them vitamins designed to calm them down. Genius <laughs> plan. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, you look it's anxious. a good plan. It's I've a well-worn pathway for oh, the grifter. It's brilliant. It's it's very good. He's a complete fucking sociopath, but it like it truly just blurs the line. This guy is so hard to tell whether he is completely delusional and actually believes this shit, or if he's yeah. just peddling this violent fan fiction to make a shitload of money. Either way, it's working. <laughs> And Joe, kicking it off, uh, vaccine murdered people, uh, those who have taken the vaccine and have died because of it, are being turned into fertiliser. That's exactly what you fucking wish that wasn't true. Oh, God. So I was doing my uh, routine mental health check on Pete Evans' telegram, and I found something I just simply could not ignore. It wasn't from Pete, just buried in the comments. And if you know Telegram well, you'll know that it was a random link on a completely unrelated post, as usual. It's like they're fucking bots. Honestly, maybe they are. The headline was, and I quote, Now 20 US states liquefy vaccine-murdered people and spread their flesh goo on food crops as fertilizer. Well, how, could you, how could you not yeah, click on that? Yeah. I mean, that is... Mwah, that is... That is the ultimate clickbait. Yeah. Flesh goo. Flesh yeah. goo on food crops as fertilizer. Yeah. Lovely bit of alliteration there towards the end. It led me down a bit of a rabbit hole. And there's a few elements to this. And as per usual, there is a really big kernel of truth to it. So the premise of the article is based around the idea of biosludge. And this is the use of waste products in agriculture, mm. like, you know. Shit, we're actually fertilizing crops with shit. Well, we've been doing that, to be fair, quite a long well, time. Well, yeah, animal I mean, shit. <laughs> I think we are sort of go, going back going back to the beginning of, 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 of agriculture. people shit, like chicken the shit. Of, the beginning of civilization. Horse shit, you know. About, so about 10,000 years ago. Yeah, well, look, now it's people <laughs> so shit. So we have been doing that bit quite a while, but this is different. This is quite this different. Is, this is Human shit. This is human shit. It's mm, treated it's shit, different. though. It's treated. And some would argue quite mm. rightly that it's not treated oh, enough. Shit. Which is, it's it's true because there are actually fairly <laughs> alarming amounts of chemicals left behind in the biosludge, which ranges from pharmaceuticals like the contraceptive pill mm. and fucking, you know, antidepressants to like just straight up cleaning products and that sketchy stuff you flush down the toilet when you put the toilet duck in. It's fucked up. So this is all true. And I'm not going to contest this. I really won't. Like, it's just, <laughs> this is legit on the record stuff. Reports from Aussie farmers have stated, you know, landline on the ABC and stuff, the grazing fields treated with this stuff is way more drought resistant. A little bit of rain goes a long way. It seems like this stuff is really fucking useful. Now, the next step is into the wild mm. wilderness of the health ranger, who he called himself that, Mike Adams of Natural News, who is basically like banned from Google. His brain is wonderful he made this incredibly shit film called biosludged about this phenomenon which uses the kind of scare tactics you would see in a really shit 1990s political ad it's all like these black and white scenes (laughs) scary keywords flashed up on the screen i mean like there's like everything has subtitles but any inflammatory word comes up in red it's just like it's like it just is no wonder that these people are so fucking paralyzed in fear and anxiety because they watch this shit at night and all they're watching is just like long, <laughs> prolonged attack ads. 
It's designed to... How long a tag adds, you know, with, with the occasional appearance of the Grim Reaper pointing pointing a gnarled, skeletal finger at... at, at uh, it's not a healthy here. format. Yes. So, yes. It's not a healthy format at all. It's fucking no, terrifying. No. I can really see why these people are affected. It's actually terrifyingly bad advertising oh, as well. <clears throat> but we have something called, called water cremation. So this is a thing. This is an actual yep, thing. This is an actual thing. And this is something that came to use to me. It's a sustainable way to dispose of the dead. And basically, you throw a body into a big pressure cooker full of alkalines. And in a few hours, all you have is bones and whatever else was shoved in their body over life. Pacemakers, implants, metal poles, and whatever else you've had shoved into you by ruthless medical professionals. And most importantly, mercury fillings, which like... All this stuff just sinks to the bottom and you, they just get scooped out and, you know, the bones are given back to the family as like these crushed remains. There's a whole system here. One of the things that's interesting here is the mercury that is in there. People who had amalgams back in the day when dentists were unqualified hacks and put batteries in people's mouths. <laughs> med- 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 truly medieval, medieval times. Within yeah. our lifetime, the time when these old oldies are getting cremated that mercury is going into the fucking air and that's a large source of mercury pollution a dental amalgam is being burned in cremations so there is actually a real benefit to having the you know this water cremation it is not only sustainable because you don't incinerate bodies and turn them into smoke but you also have this way of not putting noxious heavy metals into the air it's brilliant but what's left of this Water cremation is a rich molass of human goo with peptides and amino acids and all these lovely minerals and things, which when the pH level is brought back down, is a pretty great fertilizer. You can see where this is fucking going, right? It'd look a bit like Nutella, wouldn't it? It actually does. Apparently it's a brown goo. Yeah, like it's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes this is actually used as fertilizer in forests and the family is given a GPS location so they can go and visit the trees that sucked up their loved ones and like you know like the trees grow and do tree stuff with it and photosynthesize or whatever the fuck trees (laughs) do Tolkien's ants yeah yeah so yeah okay so this is going on this is this is going on in, in, in you know, in the lesser understood and appreciated parts of um, human disposal. Yep. yep. You know, because we all we're all born and we all die. We are, and we need to be disposed of, which is a really fucked up idea. But uh, as uh, as Frank Reynolds said in mm. Soy Sunny in Philadelphia, just throw me in the trash. <laughs> so <laughs> sustainable funeral industry will generally dispose of the goo. In Australia, it's illegal to flush it in the toilet, but in the USA. It goes straight down the dunny into the fucking sewerage. And the sewerage, yep, this is where this is going, gets turned into fucking biosludge, which then goes onto crops. Yeah. So there is an industry out there mm. that's doing sustainable cremations, which then turns people into goo, which then goes into shit, which then turns into fertilizer. Like, this is actually happening. I fucking love this. And for me, this is one of those things that is like, wow, humans are amazing. The way that we can create better nature through urbanized living. I just think it's beautiful, but these fucking morons who make films like Biosluts are continually trying to raise any kind of progress we make as human beings, put a black and white filter on it, dreadful music behind it, and make the whole thing seem bad. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you people? Stop holding us back. It's just your normal dead. Well, now we've got a link between yes. the vaccine dead yeah, see, and This Bioslut. is the thing that makes this beautiful and so much more worthy of the podcast is that- the whole premise behind this in this 
fucking health ranger's mind, as syphilitic as it may be, is that the whole reason why <laughs> this has to happen is because the vaccine program is a depopulation program. So initially we had just, you know, fertilized human goo on crops. And to be honest, for me, that's enough. Mm. If I was a proper idiot, that would alarm the fuck out of me. You could, you've already got me on the hook. But just to make it spicier, it's because they need an efficient way of disposing of the vast amount of bodies of that are all going to die in mm. 6, 12, 18, 36 <laughs> the, months. The mountain, the mountain of the Himalayan mountain of corpses. Yeah, exactly. That will be left uh, after everyone's been vaccinated. Yeah, Because so, that's the thing. You know, they're all going to die. What are we going to do in order not to draw attention to the Himalayan mountain of, mountain of corpses? And personally, uh, this and, would be a problem. And here's the answer, Joel. Well, the thing is, is that if we had a situation where the only people left on the planet were actually anti-vaxxers, I would jump on that Himalayan mountain in fucking seconds because I do not <laughs> want to live on a planet that only contains anti-vaxxers. I would go and find a vaccine shot and I would it take would it fun. immediately. They'd, they'd almost, they'd all be, they'd all be gone within two years of diphtheria. Yes, but anyway, they um, would. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would learn the art of polio. You know, so what, what? What this is going to do? Oh, they're yeah. going to, you know, they're going to water cremate them, and they're going to feed them. It to does the crops. explain. It does explain toilet paper hoarding too. But anyway, does it? It just. And the thing that's really funny about this is that in this perfect situation for them, imagine the anti-vaxxers are the only people left on Earth, and they're eating like kings because the crops are so fertile. I mean, like, I don't see where this is a problem. <laughs> so well fertilized. <laughs> it's a flawless Carrots plan the for them. Size of Volkswagens. Why are they upset by this? Okay, well, I'll tell you why they're upset by this because anti-vaxxers can never be fucking pleased what's happening here is that our filthy <laughs> human goo brought back down to ph and fertilizing the mm-hmm. crops has vaccine this is a, a direct quote so excuse the grammar vaccine origination Uh-oh. rna fragments in i know it, where this is going which yeah. is somehow gonna fuck yeah. with the crops so i don't know oh, like what well. are the beetroots gonna talk to us yeah. you know what's the go mm, yeah well that you know that Volkswagen-sized carrot is probably just dripping with carcinogens. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, like it's just uh, ridiculous. So, this is, of course, the, the 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 mind of the health ranger, Mike Adams, who, thank Christ, is banned from Google. So, there's something you may not have known before. Uh, I hope you uh, really strap yourself in for that one. They're liquefying people to feed the crops. Not just people, the vaccinated. Yes, the vaccinated. Dead. The vaccine murdered, um, not, as they no, said. No. The, vac- <laughs> the yeah, <laughs> vaccine murdered. I fucking love uh, this so much. I'm being, I'm being fed. So, so next time when you, when you admire a piece of broccoli, you go, well, there you go. Yeah. There's a vaccinated dead chipping in there. There is something good to come <laughs> from the Pfizer vaccine that isn't just a herd immunity from COVID-19. It's delicious, delicious <laughs> produce. So personally, I want them to, you know, just take out the the, the metal inside me, God knows what there is, and then just spray me on some passion fruit crops. Mm -hmm. I want to come back as a delicious, delicious passion fruit. Would you like a passion fruit? It's a circle of life, Jack. Pop it on a pav or throw it in a big jar. Every human actually has minute amounts of precious uh, uh, metals inside them. Gold, for example. Uh, I'm a gold mine. You might want to come back to us and let the listeners know if there's a quid to be made in human mining, vaccinated vaccinated (laughs) dead human mining. 
Oh, is bless. the deep state giving us a rattle first and knocking out a bit of the good stuff before turning us into bio sludge? Well, quite possibly. I love the idea of uh, having you know Alan Kohler uh, describing the price of iron ore and also the price of human remains on the uh, the seven o'clock news. <laughs> Indeed, the price of the price of bio yeah, yeah. sludge per yeah, yeah. ton per metric yeah, ton. Vaccinated bio sludge and non-vaccinated bio sludge. <laughs> You don't want the vaccinated stuff. It makes the carrots want to eat you. So, look. Oh, my God. That's right. They're Triffids, mm. basically Triffids. So, in a place that wouldn't know a passion fruit-covered pav of it, <laughs> smacked it in the chest. What's the go with the Wuhan flu, Jack? What's the go? This isn't news as such, but from the now discontinued segment, anti-vax update where we would give a weekly look at what anti-vaxxers were up to with an intro from me on vaccination stats. There was a time when we watched the vaccination rate almost like a stock market ticker that would climb gradually toward 100%, even popping over 100% down the ACT. Yeah, that was weird. They didn't like that. Yeah, but anti-vaxxers are very strange people and a segment dedicated to their shenanigans is always going to come up with something weird, wonderful, and a little bit annoying. And this piece features Mike Adams again and his bizarre <laughs> imagination deciding again. that Homebush was a place of Satan because the metal band <laughs> Slipknot played right. there. He's yeah. such a fucking idiot. I mean, honestly, how I, I still don't think he believes it. But the whole hashtag Australia has fallen thing was truly infuriating. This was a moment where grifters just capitalized on this, where American talking heads with huge audiences wanted to use Australia as some kind of boogeyman for tyranny, basically saying, if it can happen there, it can happen here. And there was absolutely no shortage of lying degenerates to say exactly what the Yanks wanted to hear to get on television. Monica Smith, Simeon Boykov, they went on Alex Jones and they lied through their teeth. Real Ruction was interviewed by Fox News' Laura Ingraham, where they talked just complete nonsense about how Victoria was going to be a communist state. There was also, they were also imploring other countries to impose economic sanctions on Australia. I don't know yes. if we remember that. Yep. You know, it, was, it wasn't spelled out in that way, but take action against the Australian government. Yeah, they're too stupid to know what sanctions are. But they were calling for it. Yeah, it was yeah. it was it was a cry for economic sanctions against Australia. Hello, Monica. Yeah, I mean, like Simeon boycott makes sense because I mean that's kind of a part of his shtick. But when it comes to Monica Smith, it was bizarre and disappointing. But that's the thing, you know, like this sort of thing was just a flash in the pan. It was a momentary thing where the Americans wanted a boogeyman and they wanted clout, and everyone got what they wanted, which is fantastic. And now we have this sort of continuation of the process of Maria Z and Stu Peters who like for the most part the hashtag is gone but she'll still say whatever she thinks will make yeah. Americans terrified of a dystopian future with Australia as being the rehearsal ground for it it's fucking despicable so I mean look when it comes down to it Seeing these assholes ask for the international community to put sanctions on them shouldn't be disappointing and shouldn't be surprising. Should, yeah, it, but it yeah, was, but and it, it was yeah, gross. It, 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 that was one that actually did surprise me. I mean, look, they'll do whatever they can for clout and money. Including betray our country. But <laughs> calling for economic sanctions within your own country. It's wild. Wow. It's wild. Wow. It's wild. It was a low point. 
Elsewhere in the US, self-proclaimed idiot Joe Rogan hosted a North Korean defector turned right-wing libertarian grifter on his podcast, which led to a fucking clueless discussion about Australian lockdowns. I put us on the radar. So American conservative commentators have started pointing their idiot fingers at Australia and using our handling of COVID as a political play toy for their weird little fucking libertarian, uh, it's communism ends. This gave birth to this utterly awful hashtag, hashtag Australia has fallen. Oh no, like, you know, it's fa- we've like, fallen. Like the Gerard Butler movies, which are actually really good because they're just like the cheesiest action ever. I fully recommend them. Of course, you know, take a Xanax first, mm. which created this gish gallop of bullshit that just painted Australia, especially New South Wales, as a communist police state. I, hadn't, I really hadn't noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, the mounted police in Sydney was a bit weird, but that's, that's another story. Dickheads on Fox News like Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram have been throwing their two cents about our totalitarian government and bizarrely mocking our low case numbers. Like, like that's something to be ashamed of. And we've told them basically to fuck off and mind their own business. It's pretty standard little back and forth from us and the Yanks. Of course, this is not directed at us. We're not the target here. It's about riling up their base in the States and showing all this like abstract concept of dictatorship. So you've got these fucking blue checks on Twitter. How do they get verified? They're almost all from the USA pushing the truck driver strike, the Karen Brewer day. They're hailing Craig Kelly and George Christensen as fucking heroes. I think Laura Ingram actually had George Christensen on her show. He's the fucking member for Manila. He's a fucking creep. And apparently in their dumbass heads, he's a hero. Claiming our police are a group of vicious thugs who are hell-bent on keeping the population terrified and at home. Now, that's kind of true. Yeah, it's a little bit. Little bit. It's a little bit true. There's, there's, a, there's a grain of truth there. But I'm sorry, Americans. You can fuck oh, right you can off. fuck off. Don't you ever criticize us, you fucking scumbags. You live, yeah. you, you live in a society that has really just read itself in about eight different fucking ways and is basically a white. You know? Absolutely. You I mean, fucking- can fuck off. Joe Rogan retweeted Avi Yemeni's post about the cops using oh. rubber bullets at the Melbourne protest. And I'm like, mate, fucking, that, all right, Yankee boy, you want to talk to me about police brutality? Unless you're lecturing us on not doing it properly and that rubber bullets are a chicken shit cop out, <laughs> don't fucking lecture us on police brutality. <laughs> what do you, you mean guys- rubber bullets? We're not using rubber bullets. Yeah, chuck in the real rounds. You guys are the fucking reigning champions of state-sanctioned violence. Your cops kill black people for fun. Get back in your lane, fascist. Fix your own fucking problems. I am not interested in a country that buys military surplus tanks for crowd control telling us that we're the fucking problem. (laughs) Anyway, it's getting a bit out of hand at this point with the conspiracy circles just making shit up and pasting our name on it. As usual, they post memes that mention Australia with American and Canadian police in the picture. Wrong, Obviously. Wrong police. Wrong police. It's obvious. It doesn't matter. They aren't trying to appeal to Australians who actually know what New South Wales police look like, you see. They don't really care. Also yeah. featured some fairly charming examples of historical police brutality dressed up and rebranded as public health order enforcement going back a few demos in the past. Yeah, some guy get, getting randomly yeah, arrested. Yeah, just lazy like, old disinformation, provably so, as usual. Yeah, do your fucking research. I mean, so my favourite incarnation of this whole fucking thing, the hashtag, the whatever, is a ridiculous rumour that was spread far and wide by Disinformation Dozen member Mike Adams of Natural News, Ooh. which is also now known as Brighteon. It's a great word. I quite like it. He claims that 24,000 seized children are being subjected to forced vaccination under Police guard herded like cattle, just, no less. I haven't seen those those, those herds of twenty four thousand children sweeping well, yes, but, sweeping across the plains. But we're being kept in the dark. Uh, Only Mike Adams of Natural News yeah, knows the truth. He knows. This is what you got to realize. Mm. This is what you got to realize. Mm. So no parents are allowed inside at the Kudos Bank Arena. Yeah. That's a 
that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, children are being taken from their homes by the military mm-hmm. and taken to Homebush on buses yeah. for like an hour, I guess, well, to be forcibly vaccinated as part of this wider depopulation program. Well, if they don't make make it through the vaccination, job, because then it's, you know, the screens go up, the big state comes in, those kids disappear, you know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You, you can bet your bottom dollar on that. Yeah. So they ask these dumb questions like why aren't the parents allowed with them, which is pretty easily answered. I mean, how many parents were there when they did the MMR jabs at school? Like none. Like they have jobs. They have shit to do. You fucking idiots. Like what the fuck? So the answer these guys actually came up with is a real treat. I love this. So Kudos Bank Arena is actually a satanic temple. Well, of course it is. This is this is the line they're using. And look, I would argue that Homebush is a place of Satan <laughs> simply for how annoying it is to get there. Yeah. Have you ever been to a gig at Homebush? If you live anywhere worth living, it fucking sucks it's to get just, to. It's really hard to get to. It's awful. And you are actually literally herded like cattle on trains <laughs> no. that run Really sparsely. Maybe that's And they it. stink of sweat. Maybe that's how they get the 24,000 seized children sweeping majestically they- across the plains of Western Sydney. They run the old Tangaras where they use chopping blocks for fucking seats. It's just shit. <laughs> it's the worst place to go to. It's just terrible. So according to these idiots who've never had to trudge to Homebush for a concert or a festival and dodge the sniffer dogs <laughs> at the turnstiles, the proof of this is the Luciferian art performances ah, held there that worship Satan to proof. God. It is. And I it's think proof. I must say art art is used very fucking loosely here because the example they make is the satanic rock group Slipknot. I saw them at the Horton Pavilion uh, before when, you know, they, they did their, their self-titled uh, tour. It was fantastic, mind you, and it was very fucking satanic. So yeah, the claim I'm is- sure they're from Satan. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's where all good metal comes from. I mean, like, you know, get a fucking grip. So the kids are being vaccinated in this Luciferian ritual. <laughs> Basically, the proof of that being that Slipknot played there in 2016. Yeah. And also, the guitarist of the band, Craig Jones, I had to Google that. He wears a weird mask with nails in it. It's just, you know, it's just for weird, dumb effect. Mm. But apparently, what it actually means is that it's a spike protein. That's, oh, that's what they deducted from that. there you go. They're so clever. They, they pick everything. You can't let anything <laughs> See, get past them. I wouldn't have thought of that. But yeah, that's fantastic. No, no. Because you're not a fucking paranoid lunatic. Do you think oh, they're actually you being vaccinated by members of the band? Do you think these children... <laughs> Imagine that Corey Taylor being there going, come over here, man. Come over here, man. I'll, I'll give you the jab. This is a protein spike. I've got, yeah. I've got quite a few of them <laughs> on my head. Oh, that would be fantastic. I'll get fucking vaccinated if Slipknot doing it. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> it goes on to describe a whole bunch of satanic stuffing Slipknot videos, which is pretty fair game. Like, their, their videos are totally fucked up. But apparently in doing this, the parents, and I quote this, are signing a contract with the devil, which is bound by the sacrifice of their child. Oh, of course they are. What it the says fuck it on the front that- page. Um, I mean, come on, calm down. Contract like, with the devil, which may lead to the sacrifice of your child. Settle, petal. We had footage of HSC students fainting at the vaccination hub, which has made the rounds everywhere, with anti-vaxxers claiming the children didn't faint but die. They just you know, <laughs> fell over and died. And that's not true, obviously. Mm. But the truth is so boring. So we've got this fuckwit named Stu Peters who's made this video claiming he's spoken to this ex-Australian military officer, Ooh. Alan Hennessy or some shit, who made this ridiculous video claiming that these two children died after receiving the, the Pfizer jab. It's mm. just made up. But it's gone so viral and become, as usual, truth to anti-vaxxers, who are in, let's face it, the death throes of their hobby cult. I mean, it's getting really hard to believe their bullshit at this point. They claim the parents are under a suppression order to maintain this secrecy regarding the dead kids that definitely exist, but that's not how it works. Anything, of course, is possible when you lie. There have been no deaths from the Pfizer vaccine in Australia 
as of August 20. That's just the way it is. It's a fact. It's just the way it is. So the Americans are standing with us and our truckies and our kids, <laughs> dead and alive. Isn't that fucking nice? It's not a thing, though. But let's face it. These morons are the same people who think we ride kangaroos to school. We don't actually give a flying fuck what you think. We don't our approach to COVID-19 and in a country that systematically punishes the working class has cops that shoot civilians like clay pigeons <laughs> has the biggest jail population on the planet and have made wiretapping citizens communications and national sport you are throwing some pretty fucking chunky rocks in some very fucking glass houses because your hashtag is dumb Nobody here likes you or respects you. And if you could just throw yourselves in the bin Get and me. we'll just take you out to the curb and the, the yep. council will deal with yep. you. Yeah, Monday night's been night for me. I'll have you rolled out in the nature strip then. Fucking idiot. And meanwhile. And while you did manage to direct our listeners to some very decent federal election bets, well done, some people made some money, we cast a glance to the past for other punters who didn't <laughs> go as well and raise a glass to the absolute fucking morons that bet on Donald J. Trump after he had lost after, the election. After. after. Important. After. Important to note. Yep, the fact that Trump refused to concede meant that some betting markets remained open to desperate Trump supporters who believed the big orange bozo was actually going to win the election after the votes had been counted. And since then, people are still holding on to their bet slips. This is like... <laughs> Way into 2022 we're talking here, but it's, this is just a blast from the Betfair past, a bit of a laugh, because this is when that weird obsession with real inaugurations that were always meant to happen, there was like a March one, and like a June one or some shit. September, we got to September. I think, yeah, yeah it got that far. And they always had this hopium in their pipes, smoking it until their eyes went red. And then I win and Well, I mean, where's your money, guys? Some people lost their houses. <laughs> some people lost their fucking houses. A segment that looks at the kind of abject human stupidity many others in the media would censoriously tell you to avoid, possibly because they think this type of dumb might actually be contagious. Yeah, it's the is. Trump punters Betfair Fraud Group. Hey. So our Betfair Trump punters have found hope, and while it was felt that all was lost. A gentle pillow salesman and former crackhead named Mike Liddell released a self-described docu-movie, docu-movie with the very subtle title of Absolute Proof. Absolute Proof, all in caps. Finally, we have Absolute Proof that the election was rigged. And in a show of irrational confidence and a complete disregard for impending lawsuits of billions of dollars, the My Pillow guy has released a two-hour film on the internet of him talking to a bunch of people about the claims of electoral fraud in the last general election. We all know about them. And he starts with a whole bunch of random numbers that if they were true, they might be concerning, but of course they're not. And they're hoping this cuts through and vitiates the election of Joe Biden. Now, vitiate is the Mm. word they really like to use at the moment because it comes from contract law and it sounds really fancy because they like to sound clever. You know, Mm. it makes up for the fact they're Mm. fucking morons who put money on Trump after the votes were counted. I'm vitiating right now, Joe. Oh, mate, I think everything is vitiated this point yeah that, that should be the new word for cancelled you are vitiated that's uh it's got a real ring to it so mike liddell is really taking one for the team here and not without dragging his mates down with him one notable guest is friend of the podcast melissa carone yeah, who is. has already received a cease and desist letter from dominion and has now said on record that a part owner this is like in the movie a part owner of dominion voting systems essentially participated in electoral fraud by stopping her from reporting anomalies in the vote counting uh, it's really a boneheaded shit. So 
it's a strong claim and it's likely to make that cease and desist letter into a real subpoena and she's going to wind up in the same courtroom as her old mate Rudy Giuliani as they absolutely rinse her for talking this kind of complete shit. Yeah, of course this so-called docu-movie is a bunch of the same old made-up nonsense rehashed in a flashy format with a sales pitch. And this desperate attempt to cling to hope may well prove to be a bad idea now that Dominion and Smartmatic are throwing out subpoenas left, right and centre. The claims in this video are the exact reasons why Dominion and Smartmatic are looking to sue various people. This is a doubling down of mammoth proportions and most unwise. Yeah, it really is. Like this is just like a condensed two-hour like convenient package of the reasons why they're taking legal action. It's fucking bent. So – Basically, this documentary has given the Betfair guys a massive new reason to keep these bet slips intact. They they really think this is going to convince everyone that they you know Joe Biden was this never it. elected, this and it's it. it. You know, this and we did win California. We told you, <laughs> fuck off. So, is this stupid? Yes. Are they delaying the inevitable moment of selling their assets to cover this boneheaded punt? Yes. But will they sleep well for the first time in weeks, maybe months? Yeah, they might. Which is nice. And while absolute proof has given Trump a chance of becoming the president of the defunct corporation of the United States of America, many are still clinging to the idea that Trump will also be made the president of the republic on March the 4th. March 4th. We've talked about this. This theory still sucks and has no basis in reality. We kind of have to wait to see how they react to watching that day come and go and nothing happens. I'm speculating they'll be watching absolute proof on repeat. (laughs) while eating Xanax like lollies to get through it. And despite all this, they still think Trump is in the West Wing. And yeah. the theory that still bounces around is that the latest breath of hope is that you cannot impeach a former president. Now, mm. this is the idea that they couldn't be bringing this forward unless Trump was still in the White House. This is just not fucking true. There is an argument being played out similarly, which is that Republicans are saying that maybe you can't do this and there's all sorts of stuff. Mitch McConnell just refused to table it before. They had plenty of time. So this is just complete bullshit. But essentially, anything that will invalidate Joe Biden's presidency or vitiate it, as they would say, <laughs> is, is good enough for them. But I don't think they're really arguing that the impeachment is legitimate due to the fact that Trump is still president because that's a bridge too far for basically anyone except for our bet fair Trump punter makes who will just make up fucking anything to, you know, support their case. <laughs> In desperation, they are trying to find out if a precedent was set by bookies when Ben Johnson was stripped of his gold yeah. medal in the Seoul Olympics in 1998. 1988, I should say, and it was awarded to second place Carl uh, Lewis because Johnson was found to be on the juice. And quite similar to using the word vitiate, this shows a distinct lack of understanding for what precedent means in a courtroom. But if these people do anything, they cling to hope. If all of this fails, they still have the class action. That relies on the idea that Betfair settled the wages before the result was out. This is delusional, of course, and relies on the idea that the point where the Electoral College met was invalid due to legal challenges. These are the legal challenges that people called the Kraken with a straight face, if you remember. Yeah, I don't hold mm-hmm. much hope uh, for these class actions or that particular class action. No, it's not looking good. So basically, in a bit of a twist, in this segment, we have been focusing heavily on the losers, the idiots that bet on Trump well after the votes were counted and even after states had certified. And Trump kept telling him that he was going to win and they kept believing. And you know, I can see the logic there, I suppose. So now we look at the winners. You see, the bookies run the game on most bets, but a lot of these wages were done on market exchanges where they just take a cut. So 
There's Betfair Exchange, FTX, Predicted. They were all just simply taking a little bit of the action of bringing two people, making sure. a wager together. Yep. Two people, one of them with a lot of money looking for bank interest odds, some easy money, and another, a red-pilled idiot who's about to lose his house. <laughs> so a friend of the podcast, Phil Whitehead, sent us a tweet from Haralabob, uh, which is this, this sort of like money market gambling guy on Twitter, which <laughs> celebrated lifting some very easy money off these rubes. And I quote, America truly is the land of opportunity. <laughs> After years and years of working extremely hard to grind out every edge betting on sports, one of my biggest wins ever came by betting on the outcome of the US election in caps, after the votes were counted, <laughs> I love America. <laughs> <laughs> and so he should. And this tweet really hurts to read as it truly outlines how pathetic these wages were. He's a guy that likes to play money markets that saw fools who were basically begging to be parted from their money, and he did his American duty by easing them of their cash in no uncertain terms. <laughs> We became so desperate for cash, we had to open up our airwaves to a raft of sponsors who paid top dollar for Jack to do on-air reads about products, services, and brands, with Jack oozing sincerity, promoting a lot of stuff he didn't like and in some cases hadn't even heard of. But that's that's the way of a gangster. Don't worry about it, man. But all the advertisers were chuffed, reported sales going through the roof from our paid sponsor segment. Yeah, there was one that didn't quite pay off, an ad for the Liberal Party on the eve of the federal election. We cashed their check anyway. Absolutely. But it made me think that maybe people didn't listen to the ad because if they did, I'm sure everyone would have voted Liberal. And today's condition release program is proudly brought to you by the Liberal Party, the natural party of government in Australia. Listeners, if you like your politicians fruity, the Liberal Party is the party for you. Where else could failed human beings who couldn't sell a beanbag for love or money emerge and lecture the rest of us on vaccines? They're bullshit. Climate change, it's bullshit. And pharmacology, take three hydroxychloroquine and call my sex creep policy advisor in the morning. Transphobics, we got them. Racists, we got them. Islamophobes, we got them. And if we can't get them, we'll give our mates at the National Party a call. They're chock-a-block with nutters. Listeners, there's been a lot of talk about the Liberal Party being a boys' club, and it's just not true. We love women, whether they want to be loved or not. (laughs) You know, listeners, come Saturday, you have a big question to make. Let's make the right one, eh? Because as Peter Dutton says, vote Liberal and no one gets hurt, mainly by the Chinese. But we had much better luck promoting the Northern Rivers and preventable diseases because everyone there has got polio now. Yay! The conditional release program is proudly brought to you today by the Northern Rivers and preventable childhood diseases. <laughs> Listeners, got a touch of nostalgia for the good old days when measles was just a good lie-in for a week? Why not assume the horizontal at one of Byron's four-star hotels? Need that rapid weight loss to fit in your swimmers this summer that only cholera can bring? Got that lazy holiday feel that screams, I need an iron lung? Then why not come to the Northern Rivers where no one is vaccinated anymore? Listeners, imagine shuffling around beautiful Byron in your orthopedic thongs. If you pick up a bit of diphtheria, don't worry. Simply cast a few ultramarine crystals over your guts and you'll be dead in no time. 
Dead said, having fun, that is. <laughs> Whoop it up with the kids with whooping cough at Byron Spectacular Beaches, unique shopping and dining experiences, world-class festivals and vibrant community anti-vax spirit. Nothing says fun in the sun than I got hepatitis A in Byron from that tofu burger at the Whole Foods shop. It means you ate shit. Got polio? Well, don't make too much noise or everyone will want it. <laughs> Remember, listeners, it has to be Byron Bay for all your unvaxxed holiday needs. Kill the kids and it's half price. <laughs> oh, so clearly it's not too soon after the floods for you. And we had so many fuckwits, we had them coming out of places no fuckwit should ever come out of. <laughs> so we decided to spread the fuckwittery around by introducing a segment called Which Black Belt Fuckwit Said That? And we are very grateful to many listeners who contributed outstanding examples of fuckwittery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first episode was a complete disaster. I was asking the questions and it made no sense because I was basically just putting these things forward, getting Jack to answer, being like, I guess we're done now. But... Things changed dramatically and we struck absolute gold by having Jack as the Eddie McGuire of the segment while I answered the questions because what he did is he gave the segment substance. He would explain the quotes. He would explain yes, the right. people behind them, why they said them, and the actual thing made sense as opposed to just being a really dopey multiple choice question that sounded like a fucking school exam. So, look, I came out pretty good. I won a couch entertainment system. I think I got whipped at some point, and I'm <laughs> scheduled, at least, to have an abortion in Alabama later this year. It's going to well, be real fun. May not, may not be possible. May not. Not, not, unless you, not unless you post six weeks. That's right. Yeah, behold, listeners, behold the fuck wittery. <laughs> I think one of the first things it says within the Constitution is all laws within all... within. And with the sweet lilt of the voice of the intellectual giant of the freedom movement, Thanos Paniides, ringing in our ears, it means it's time for which black pill fuckwit said that. The game show that Eddie Maguire secretly wanted to host but got boned at the audition. Joel <laughs> thought he was a good fit to host, but I knew Eddie was a Collingwood bastard and told him to fuck off. Fair. If you're successful today, Joel, you'll be sent on an all-expenses-paid trip to COVIDless Perth to spread the Omicron variant. Yeah. A couple of days of walking around that hellhole, breathing on people and touching their food, you'd get the ball rolling quick smart. We might not be able to fly you in, so we'll smuggle you across the border dressed as Gina Hancock. <laughs> if you're stopped by the authorities, try and pretend you can write really bad poetry. That's my tip. The sad thing is that we're at about the same weight right now. <laughs> question cool. one Joel are you ready yeah or should yeah. I say Gina yeah well look I think Western Australia's had it too good for too long I'd like to see a few of you sweat and this is a very good way of doing it because you will sweat <laughs> it's, uh, question it's one with thanks to listener Tom a man so addicted to the segment we're thinking about giving him some of Joel's COVID just to take the edge off the dependency thank you Tom who wrote all of this by the way oh, and here is the quote your legacy will be that of a monster your legacy will be that of a eugenicist your legacy will be that of a child killer using medical tyranny unquote I love it. I'm already going to take I, – I think I know who this is going to be. Okay. Was this talking about Dan Andrews, small man, tiny man, 
you've got to hold him up to the light to actually see who he is. With big words, he, he uses big words he really doesn't understand. Malcolm Roberts. Favourite, favourite. Good friend of the show. Yeah, got to, be, got to hold him up to the light. Oh, there he is. Uh, also talking about Dan Andrews, huge fan of quantum healings, psychic reading, and dedicating songs to victims of satanic ritual abuse. Claire Woodley. Oh, dear. She's a songstress, Joe. Real songstress. Oh. Or was it? Talking about old Donny Trump, the Trumpster. He snorts and whinnies, not because he has houses to blow down, but because he has been taking a bit too much ivermectin. Alex Jones, or was it not really sure what or who he was talking about, but he really spent big on Boxing Day sales, <laughs> replacing household electronics. Thanos Paniades needs uh, a new couple of tallies. Very, very good. I quite like that. Uh, look, I'm taking it to a punt, but it just has the um, it has the the rhythm of Alex Jones. Oh, well spotted. Well yes. done. Yes. Well done. Yes, that was Alex Jones. And and what he was calling when Trump actually uh, said that he'd been vaccinated and was booed by an Arizonan crowd. Yeah, uh, that's when uh, Alex just let fly. Yeah. The Trumpster is now a monster, a eugenicist, yeah. uh, a child killer, and a medical tyrant. Well, look, you know, let's face it; he probably could be a child killer. Um, so, I you mean... would have thought, you know, there'd be people listening to Alex going, come on, man, come, get, get beyond the Trumpster, don't backstab him. Yeah. Don't white-hand him. Nah, it's, it's so uh, funny because, you know, like, it, it's to do these sort of backflips is the fascinating thing, and he'll just have people there going, oh, okay, yeah, I guess Trump is bad now, after he was <laughs> the, you know, sent by God to save the children from the tunnels and the pedophiles <laughs> and the deep state and the entire thing. He, he is Jesus in a way. It's the quickest backflip. Makes you realize that. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so it's Alex not Trump, is, it's Stone. Has, has jumped off the Trump train. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's the, you know, the, the implications are enormous. Yeah. Express to Leppington, straight to Leppington. Do not pass. Now, me. question two. Very well, very well done. You're, you're heading across the nullable right now. Um, yeah. It's question two. Here's the quote. All this required was peace and calm on Capitol Hill. And at one o'clock, for Senator Ted Cruz and Gosser, Congressman Gosser, to start the Green Bay sweep, challenging the Electoral College, challenging the results in Arizona. Now, I'll have to explain to you that the Green Bay sweep is an American sort of colloquialism based on the Green Bay Packers, uh, one of their sort of, uh, what would you call it, Hail Mary plays. And it's called the Green Bay sweep. So, we're, to give you a little bit more context, this is January 6th uh, and the senators are all sitting down and, uh, and uh, Pence is about to take his spot and we're about, the Electoral College is about to basically ratify the results of the election. And all that was needed was a bit of peace and calm and all those clowns outside making a noise and threatening to thank people and Ted Cruz and <laughs> Ted Cruz... Sorry. And Congressman Gossa would just get it all underway and knock the election results out. Oh, mate. It would have been all perfect if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Was it? Who said it? Anyway, was it under indictment? The man with more skin diseases than Eric Trump, proving once and for all you get the face you deserve. Oh, Steve Bannon. He's not a good-looking guy. Or was it assistant to the former president, director of trade and manufacturing policy, and the National Defence Production 
ACT policy coordinator, Peter Navarro. Or was it leader of the Proud Boys, refused entry to Washington, D.C. on January 6th and had to watch all the fun on CNN, which he hates. He's a Nazi, mm. out and proud. Henry Enrique's Cario? Or was it gaming a coup d'etat? Just gaming, mind you. Not planning, not engaged in sedition, treason or treachery. Just a game, really, like Risk. You know, you know, Risk. Uh, his psoriasis is only slightly worse than Steve Bannon's. Eric Trump. Oh, oh God. <laughs> it sounds way too nuanced for Eric. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, I'm going to take a punt. It's probably wrong. Steve Bannon. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, look, oh. it's kind of true, but it was, in fact, Peter Navarro. And oh. Peter Navarro had been liaising with Steve Bannon about how to do this, what they call the Green Bay Sweep. Oh. And it's only just come out because Peter Navarro has a book out called In Trump Time. <laughs> God only knows what Trump time is. Usually it's like sleepy time. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. But, but yeah, so and and in his book, he has kind of acknowledged that you know that he was involved in uh, basically overturning a, a, a democratic election, and he, this was put to him on uh, CNBC uh, during the week, uh, and that's where I got the quote from, where the interviewer said to him, "You know." You were planning a coup d'état. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 that wasn't it at all. You know, <laughs> yes, you were because you were using the Senate from the previous election results to overturn and uh, to overturn the election decision. No, 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 no. no you no. couldn't possibly call it a coup d'état. No, so there it was, Peter Navarro, but he was in cahoots with Steve Bannon. So I'm going to give you a half point. Yes. Uh, so he's more Western Australia to take. Like- You've just hit Kalgoorlie. Um, You're over the border and uh, well on your way to to bringing Omicron to Perth. At that time. uh, And here's uh, a question, sorry, question three, quote three. Where are my mangoes? I want my mangoes. Yeah. Was that conditional release program co-host Joel Hill in the midst of COVID hallucinations? Get him some goddamn mangoes. That's uh, a Milton mango for me, mate. Oh, was it a flock of green parrots eating fermented mangoes, getting shit-faced drunk on the fermented mangoes and demanding more, more, more fermented mangoes? Once you pop, you can't stop. Or was it Prince Andrew possibly speaking euphemistically about teenage girls? Mangoes? Where are my mangoes? Or was it trying to overcome a, a bad dose of scurvy? Psst, mate. My dude, that slimes are lemons at a pinch to get rid of your scurvy. He'd know that if he read Captain Cook's diaries, but he doesn't trust the mainstream media. Fanos Panaitis. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel like it could be all of the above, really. <laughs> I think that would be a reasonable answer. Um, I love Milton Mango, and I have constantly said that, but I'm not saying it now. Uh, the absence of tin cracks is because the idea of beer makes me feel nauseous. Um Prince Andrew being a pedo? Yay, Joe! Hey. <laughs> I'm a hitting Perth as of tomorrow. Excellent. What a fucking Well drink. done. Yes, it was in fact Prince Andrew. Ugh. And uh, this is uh, revealed in a book about actually his nephew, Harry. And Harry used to get uh, quite alarmed at the way that uh, Prince Andrew would, te- would, would treat the um, 
the the staff mm. uh, around the various royal residences, including a quote goes, "Where are my mangoes? I want my mangoes." Oh, yeah. little fucking. So shit. that was it. And the other thing is that um, flocks of green parrots have been also getting very very drunk on eating rotten rotten mangoes on the ground, That's very and funny. then just flying about crazily and crashing and That's often very suffering funny. very serious injury. That's which, not funny. Hey, it's a bit funny. It's a bit funny. So there you go. Well done, Joel. Excellent nice. work. Now, we ask listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by Black Bell Fuckwits, much like hopeless addicts of the show, Tom. We want your input, listeners. If you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid, drop us a line. We'll send you a stubby holder and some assorted TCRP tailor if you make our lives easier and send me a quote we can use on the show. Now, we remind listeners that the conditional release program stubby holder is, as we've said before, the only stubby holder clinically proven to keep drinks cold. It is indeed. But actually, we're going to put the prizes aside for a week or two. The conditional release program stubby holder is an eerily magic bit of kit, no doubt. But personally, I wouldn't want one coming fresh out of the post after Joel's licked the envelope. So we might just hold off on the prize giving just for a little while. Uh, you're going to get a nasty dose of the plague and there's nothing the stubby holder can do to help, although you could fill it with ivermectin, see what happens, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But uh, just for the next week or so, we'll leave Joel from <laughs> trudging down to the post office and licking envelopes if, you know, none of you mind. Seems like a reasonable thing. So no prizes dripping with viral death the next week or so. But we do still ask listeners to drop us a line if they want to contribute to the segment. Which yes, black pill fuckwit said that? Mark the attention of Jack as usual because if I see it, it's not fun. You know, you know spoiler yeah, alert to our email cheat. address. You will cheat. If no, you fuck. I, I struggle. So I, I have to like uh, avert my no, eyes and like drag it and forward yeah. it. It's really annoying. Because you program at gmail.com. It's, that's yeah. during COVID mainly. That's why you've had COVID, that you've felt the need to cheat. And that's <laughs> another symptom, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Ajal and I love subsets. Oh, yes. They're very, very weird and very, very funny. Very funny. And, and so it was only a matter of time before they had their own segment where oh, yeah. we kept count of their victories. Psst. They never win no. against the man. No, no, they really don't. When they do, I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be terrifying. <laughs> and it, 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 it took a while for the segment to be born, but it found its legs with the arrest of Sobsit Granddaddy, the snapping turtle himself, Wayne Glue, in February 2022. And it was then that we introduced the Chris Farley's uh, immortal lines about living in a van down by the river because that's where Sobsits wind up. And we could see it with our very own eyes in the case of Wayne Glue. And now we bring you a brand new segment of people who have learned absolutely everything they read in a quick flick through a textbook in 17th century maritime law. They're subsets quick and, and they're on a collision course with reality and a concept totally bizarre to them. Consequence mm-hmm. in this week's subsets v. The Man. We fired you. We sacked you. We dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal. You're a traitor. And you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. Thank you. That's what I'll go with. Are you an officer of the Crown, Joel? No. It's really easy. And there's a free polo shirt. Double your wardrobe. Um, All all you have to do is complete a form on Wayne Glue's website and you're away. You know, just have to fill it in. Hi, Joel Hill. Off we go. Wayne Glue, Fenton sent it off to Wayne. 
And all of a sudden, you're an officer of the Crown, able to leap high buildings. I think it's tall buildings. But anyway, able to leap tall buildings and arrest duly elected premiers, allegedly. For those who came in late, Wayne Glue, the snapping turtle, is the godfather of the soft-sit free man on the land movement based in Geraldton's W uh, in Geraldton in WA's wheat belt. A free man, Wayne, was lolling around in his caravan. In his van <laughs> down by the river. Van down by the river. Because his house was taken from him. <laughs> what uh, yes, uh, down Why? by the river where he lives on his sister's property in his singlet and shorts when the wallopers arrived. Oh, dear. I'm an officer of the Crown. Oh, I know because I am one. Okay. So you have no authority... So please, please move the vehicle. The paperwork is coming and we'll show you what we've got. Okay. You have, don't have any paperwork with this lawful. When? I know who state security are. They've yep. been monitoring my computer and my phone for ages, and I gave them yeah, access. No, no, no. So you have no authority on this property. Good morning, Mr. Glue. My name's Jeff Wally from the State I'm Security Investigation Group. I'm not Mr. Glue. I'm not Mr. Glue. My name is Wayne. Okay. Wayne. As ruled by the Supreme Court. Cool. There's your copy of the search warrant, Wayne. At this point in time, you're under arrest under suspicion I'm of incitement not under arrest to commit for indictable offence. Indictable offence of what? Incitement to commit indictable offence. Of what? Deprivation of liberty. Of who? At this point in time, you're under arrest. For what? Okay. Incitement no. to commit indictable offence. Do you have the evidence there? No, that's a copy of your search warrant. Okay. Hang on a tick. Because this is nonsense and you know it. This is an attempt to shut me up from teaching the truth. No, not at all. Yes, it is. Where's the... Hang on. Let's go with him, Lewis. Well, you can take it and go. That's not signed by anybody. That's not signed by anybody and you know it. The copy of the search warrant isn't signed by the JP. It's blacked out. I've got the original copy of the search warrant, which is is signed by the Justice of the Peace. Where is it? In the car. Can I have a look, please? No, that's your copy. That's what you're entitled to have. (laughs) No, no. All right. We're going to do a search warrant. I'll get you to come with me, please, so that... No, 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 no. Now, I've watched the vid maybe 20 times, and it never loses its appeal. The old turtle sticks to his guns and trots out the hard black letter pseudo-law from a textbook he once looked at on 17th century Portuguese maritime law with such hard-hitting pseudo-legal responses as, Are you an officer of the Crown? I know because I am one. (laughs) He must have filled out his his own form on Facey. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. You fill out your own form. It's good. Hey, he's not wearing a polo there. He's in a singlet. No, no sorry. Yeah. Undercover. He's undercover. <laughs> he's got his undercover kid on. You have no authority, so please remove your vehicles. You don't have any paperwork that is lawful. Yeah. Showing a search warrant, the tool came back with, this is not signed by anybody. And you know it. <laughs> Told he was under arrest, he replied with the solid legal argument of, for what? It's great, yeah. Incitement to commit indictable and an, an indictable offence, he's told. He goes, of what? Deprivation of liberty, he's told. Of who? Of what? Like he doesn't know. <laughs> it's that kind of sharp, on-your-feet legal manoeuvring. Wayne Glue is famous for the same brilliant mind that saw him lose his property over a multiple legal action uh, legal action claim based on the sausage horseshit he didn't have to pay council rates, and that's why he's living at his sister's place in a van down by the down river. Down by the river. <laughs> <laughs>
Look, he just oh, he thought he was so travelling beautiful beautifully well it was circled around him and he thought, Yeah, checkmate there, checkmate oh, with that odd gotcha. what argument oh, yeah. And it wasn't checkmate then and it isn't now because it turns out you do have to pay a council raise. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out, You're a precedent to prove that. <laughs> you, your name out, is a precedent to prove that. And it turns out you, you can't sit down in a van by the river <laughs> in a singlet and induct sheriffs on Facebook and tell them to go and arrest a premier of the state. Allegedly. Allegedly. And when you try to, it, it ends with a familiar cry and a forceful arrest <laughs> amid shrieks of, no, no, ah! Ah, so very, very funny stuff. Just beautiful to see the Gloucester, the snapping turtle. Uh, just well, we didn't see him in handcuffs. <laughs> the, the film stopped just before that beautiful moment it took did, place, it did, but it was yeah. a lovely thing, a beautiful thing. And we'll pop that up fun. on the uh, on the shit posting site for anyone who hasn't seen. It. I think most people have. Most people may have. Yes, but it is quite a story. It is fantastic, and that ends this week's soft sits and the man with the scoreboard reading soft sits zero. The man too. And that's yeah. only because the turtle is a fat bastard who'll take up two seats in the cop car. <laughs> My God, that, that is not body positive and neither of us are body negative. We are both in a very bad BMI. Look, I'm just hey. really stoked that Wayne Glue got arrested because at the end of the day, the amount of these motherfuckers who get away with saying whatever the goddamn shit they want and <clears> they just sit around. I'm sorry, if you try to get people to kidnap a fucking premier and arrest them. No, like you've got to draw the line somewhere. This is parenting 101. Allegedly breaking a law there. Yes. Yeah. And from the Sausage Crazies, we need to take you to the Sausage Crazies in Canberra. For a brief moment there, Eric had the world at his feet, but it all came crashing down and turned out his feet actually had some kind of awful fungus that you shouldn't yeah. eat, but Eric does anyway because his father <laughs> doesn't give him the KFC vouchers anymore and it's very complex and hard to do this. Yes, Joel, the second son of the 45th POTUS was an eternal disappointment, although he was a good-looking boy who loved his dad. Love, love you, dad! dad. <laughs> Whose love was returned. Ever mutual. No. Lately, Eric has been posting family pics on Twitter showing his dead mum and what looks to be Eric dressed as a girl. Uh, that'll keep his psychiatrist busy for a while. You just cannot pay that person enough. Or maybe it was his sister. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Very sad week for the family. So be it. After the January 6th uprising, poor old Eric sort of gave up and his appearances on Fox News just weren't really funny anymore because he went the way of Pete. But it was fun while it lasted. Yes, it was. Ascend he will, but there's no time for that, Jack, because right now we have a new segment which I'm very excited about. This is something that has been brewing in the bowels of the Trump family for a long time. I don't know, 30, 40 years or so. It's Eric Trump, like a bastard on Father's Day. Ah, uh, thank you, Joel. As you know, I've been following Eric very closely on the socials. He's the Jan Brady of the Trump family, the overlooked middle child who needs a father's love and always gets the ass from the Donald. And that's why Eric keeps a steady eye on young Baron in the hope that he might fill Eric's role as the runt of the Trump litter. On Wednesday afternoon, God's time, Eric smashed out a tweet declaring victory for his dad. Love you, Dad! In Pennsylvania. We have one Pennsylvania, Eric tweeted, seemingly incapable of understanding there were nearly 9 million votes in PA yet to be counted. 
And Mass has never been his strong suit, of course. But even in that moment of false triumph, I noticed Dad, love you, Dad, the Donald, didn't even bother to raise an index finger and press the like button. He never does, and Eric's tweets go unliked by his dad, and his love for his dad goes unrequited. Uh, later in the day, when the Trumpster addressed a couple of hundred unmasked friends and family in a room in the White House, dripping with the virus, and announced he was going to fight the thrashing he was copying in the courts and possibly in the streets, the first man in the room to get to his feet and lead the standing ovation was Eric. Applauding wildly with a reverential tear in his eye, Eric stood there clapping like one of those wind-up chimp toys we all had when we were kids. And maybe the Donald noticed, or perhaps he didn't, because he turned and hightailed it out of the room, ignoring Eric and his constant refrain of, Love you, Dad! (laughs) And this left Eric with even more suppressed psychological scars, and I thought it was only a matter of time before he heads (laughs) off looking for a clock tower. He didn't, though. (laughs) preferring to tweet up darkest cons- the darkest conspiracy theories about electoral fraud, so unbalanced and improbable that not even Donnie Jr. liked them. Poor old Eric, dumb as a rock, devoid of a father's love and lonely as a bastard on Father's Day. He's a good-looking boy. He's a good-looking boy, though. He's got that going for him. Pete Evans was a content god when the conditional release program first started. He isn't now, which means he was put on the sidelines in our 98th episode and will be left on the bench. He might be back, we're not sure, but only if he behaves himself. Yeah. Consider yourself on a conditional release program, Pete. Be funny. That's all we're asking. But look, back then he was a god indeed. Oh, he had a huge. million on Facebook, a million or so on Instagram, massive following. The Australian public actually kind of liked him. He was, yeah. you know, he was invited to events like the Senate, you know. He was invited to the Senate, yeah. Uh, and now his dance card is empty. No one oh. wants him at their premiere. No. He shitposted his way into obscurity because someone convinced him, possibly a Nazi, that it was a good idea. <laughs> what a silly, a silly boy. It wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good idea at all. But he's our boy, you know. You can't be upset with him. Just disappointed. It's the mm. weekend, Pete Evans. So, obviously, we have to go with when Pete was outed as a Nazi, but it isn't technically the week in Pete Evans. It's a new segment because it was too, yeah, it was. too, too big to just throw in the back of the show. That's but right. it's also too good to pass up. So, I'm going to throw that in here. And to keep the Nazi theme rolling along, the man behind the conditional release program's most popular segment, The Week in Pete Evans, was shown mm. the door by almost all of his commercial partners after posting a cartoon which showed a neo-Nazi symbol, the Black Sun or the Sonorad, which had been sported on the backpack of mass murderer and giant fuckwit Brenton Tarrant. And before you knew it, the sponsors dropped Pete Evans like a hot Bratwurst. Indeed they did. Uh, we had been set to watch Pete's dial back on television and on the appalling I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But Network 10 swiftly gave him the arse, even while Pete was in quarantine for the show. Pam McMillan, Woolies, Carls all gave him the flick, even his pet food, Bob, that I didn't even know was a thing. Pete Evans' paleo pal or something. They sent him packing. Yeah, the final indignity was actually doTERRA, the MLM company knocking out Pete's essential oils, flicking Pete's lovely gear from the catalogue of their fine, overpriced products. 
Although it looks like they might have backtracked recently after underestimating how many Nazis seem to like essential oils. It does beg the question, Joel. After a huge week, possibly Paleo Pete's biggest week ever, will there ever be another week in Pete Evans' segment for our devoted listeners to snigger at? Has the great man been silenced? Not a chance, Jack. Uh, we've had uh, commercially bound Pete, and while that is still a wild ride, don't get me wrong, it is a Disney film compared to what Nothing to Lose Pete's going to offer because he's been holding back. He has been held back, and now, bless him, he can tell us what he really thinks. He's been unchained. It saints be praised, Joel. But look, all this talk about Nazis is thirsty work. But here's a week in Pete Evans from the immediate aftermath of that disgrace when Pete ruined his life by outing himself as a Nazi and being rather surprised that Pete were a little upset. Mm. And people were upset, Whew, except for doTERRA. They were totally cool with it. Completely okay with it. Maybe Booktopia too. Yeah, Booktopia, yeah. They said they'd take him off the shelves, and then they didn't. No, well, they really didn't. Out of the no. warehouse, and then they didn't. But we can't stay fixated on Eric and romance and all the beauty in this world because it's actually a big, horrible world, a vicious world that takes no prisoners and routinely kicks the shit out of the righteous, the well-meaning, a world that undervalues destructive narcissism. And that's right. It's the week in Pete Evans. It has been a huge week in Pete Good. Evans. What one of the biggest because it started off with a real fucking bang. It finally happened. Pete got banned from Instagram. Yes, yes. It's about time too. He's joined the ranks of RFK Jr. in the dustbin of mainstream social media history. His account is now mere space dust, and it is for the betterment of the. St- the world. I mean, nothing of value was lost. So, in a very mopey post on Telegram, oh, Pete explains, oh, my close to 300,000 person account sad. on Instagram just gone because sad. I reposted the story from Project Veritas on Mark Zuckerberg about DNA and mRNA vaccine information. Just because of all those lies that I spread. Oh, yeah, just because I'm a fucking half-wit, two-bit cult leader. So, basically, <laughs> Pete got in trouble for spreading misinformation again, which actually comes as a little bit of a surprise. As you see... Over the past little while, especially since the Facebook ban, Pete's mm. been playing it very safe on Instagram. Yes. He actually really seems to quite like his Instagram and he's probably quite sad about this going. Oh, he's so he's been playing sad. it really safe. And while on his Telegram chat, it's a cesspool of conspiracy theories, transphobic commentary and blatant disinformation, his Insta was mostly just salads, crap about his <laughs> podcast and wildly out-of-context headlines from mainstream media articles, yes, basically spreading bit, anti-vax yeah. propaganda. It's such bullshit. Oh, just like the one about South Africa. Anyway, not, that's for another Yeah, thing. I know. I thought I this know. ban was never going to happen, though, because he was. He was playing it really safe. I, I was this weird sort of thing of like, Pete, are you smart now? Like, he's, are you actually yeah, savvy? It's, no, it's he's not. A blow. It's a real Well, blow. you know, if you know Pete, you know he can't fucking help himself. So now his final mainstream platform is gone. His parlor account has about 14 people following and no parlies because... Parlor sucks and no one cares about it. They're about to try and like, yeah, well, they're trying desperately to get him to join Gab, which is known as being a hotbed of extremist behavior and basically where Nazis hang out. So I guess he'd feel pretty at home there. Oh, I feel, but, yeah, feel comfortable there, yeah. Yeah, you know, get a, get a bit of encouragement. The real history of Germany. Ah, oh, these guys have read the history books. So that wasn't all, <laughs> folks. We were graced with a rare public appearance by Pete to kick off his political oh, campaign. 
And no better place to do it than the rally against mandatory COVID vaccination, which isn't mandatory. Not mandatory. No plan not to mandatory. Make it so. It's not. It's not. It's not. So your rally doesn't exist. You've actually already won. Like, well done, guys. Pack it up. We we beat it. You're arguing over something that is that is not happening, uh, and is not not going to happen. It's frankly embarrassing. So in a speech that has been described as bizarre, mm. he mumbled through one of the most uninspiring 90-odd <laughs> seconds of political speech in history. <laughs> unbelievably bad. Yeah, oh, shit. And I'm not just saying this. It was really, really bad. Oh. This isn't just like, oh, let's lampoon Pete. This was shit. I was expecting so much more. I'm actually a little bit disappointed in him. Like, you know, yeah, like I was like, it was disappointed a, it was dad. It was a really piss-weak effort. Yeah. So bad. So before and after him, we had firebrand idiots yelling complete nonsense and misinformation there and being met with screams and applause. And Pete just sort of came out without any shoes on, did this like <laughs> elevator pitch, bumbled through a few half-baked thoughts and then just left. Like it was shit. The biggest cheese he got was essentially the start and the finish, uh, the easy ones. And he yes. claimed that he was invited He's to be invited. a New South Wales senator. He's oh, been just invited. A, just a casual invite in the mail. What do you get it on an email or will they send a car around? What, 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 what happens there when I you're like invited to, think it's like in to person. become a New South Wales senator? Like a subpoena. If someone delivers it to you, that's really, really nice. He really doesn't understand, understand politics, does he? No. Oh, so he may need to get elected first unless something changes <laughs> dramatically. And he have to be elected first, yes. you think so. But he's a bit of a fascist, so you never know. Maybe things mm. have changed. But mm. he says he's going to speak the truth, which is actually his truth, because apparently everyone has their own truth, which uh. is lovely. And then he claims he doesn't have the answers. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have, have any answers. answers. He doesn't have and any answers. The next bit, uh, no, knows fuck all about politics, but will do his <laughs> darndest best when he's there. It's an extraordinary it's, political pitch, isn't it? I don't it have really any is. answers and I really don't know what I'm doing here. Yes, but I'll try. But I'll try and turn up. And they're like, oh, uh, look, if you get me maybe 30% of the time, you know, I'll, I'll be absent maybe 70%. <laughs> you know, probably I, for I, the best. I promise I'll turn up a bit. The less time he spends in Canberra, the fucking better. So he's super confident he's going to get in, and I think he really does believe that he's going to get up. Like He does this reluctantly, though, because apparently he begged people to do this instead of him, which yeah. is just complete horseshit. Oh, and destiny has been thrust upon him. Yeah. Exactly. It's like Bitcoin. It's like Parliament has called him. And, you know, it's, it's a law of attraction <laughs> thing. They've invited him. Yeah, exactly. He's been invited. And then, like, when he does lose, like, it's going to be, like, some sort of corruption thing. Oh, there's electoral fraud. Dominion, we're counting the vote. Ah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to It's not going to work. But, yes, it's just a lovely sales pitch. I don't have any answers. And no. uh, I'm not And I'm not very good shoes. at politics. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes his weird handbrake turn and does get like, the biggest cheer, actually, when he says that the mm. media is bad, uh, which Ooh, is. Oh, they're terrible. I so bad, that. the media. Oh, they are the blurst. So that was really insightful. And as a part of the media, um, uh, he's actually was on a cooking show on Channel 7, apparently for two decades. I don't know how yeah. long his run was, but uh, God, That's where he got all his money from, the media. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, they, what, without they that, bankrolled him. He'd be, he'd be dodging his creditors in one of his various unsuccessful restaurants. Yes, yes, he would be uh, basically making pizzas at fucking Domino's. But <laughs> he claims that he got, he tried the to get the media, media the powerful media, uh. which is what, like, the producers of his cooking show, to do the right thing, which is textbook vague language from Pete. What's the right thing, Pete? Nightly he updates on Q drops in the any, news? He doesn't have any answers. Oh, he doesn't have any answers. Maybe a public health announcement section uh, from RFK Jr., a daily update on which, which vaccines are fucking killing us. 
So I just oh, shudder to think what the right thing the media should do <laughs> in, in his head. And just like the fact that he had to Google neo-Nazis, I think he might just be making this up as he goes. Yeah, so, get that feeling. He also tied his campaign to Indigenous affairs. Oh, uh, my God. Oh yeah, my claiming God. he met with elders in some sort of thing and that they have the key to our future, <sighs> nice and vague. Um, he called them the tribal people, which, I don't know, is that PC? But what it sounds like is it sounds like a nod to the OSTF, the Original Sovereign Tribal Federation, which is essentially a subset group run by a bloke named Mark McMurtry who is aligned with the GAP because they're both subset groups. And Pete is about to make the OSTF all about uh, him because that's what he does. You might think uh, Indigenous Affairs policy is a bit of a disaster, but I guarantee you it could get a lot worse very, very quickly if oh, yeah. Pete Evans ever had any sort of involvement in it. Um, yeah. But, yes, just uh, just please stay away from that, Pete. I mean, yeah, it's just, just something that, you know, you really shouldn't be going anywhere near. Yeah, it's just, look, you don't have the answers. Just fucking leave it. He, does, so, he doesn't have any answers. There's <laughs> uh, no point. So in wrapping it up, he claims he's a big fan of modern medicine, which felt like a total sellout moment. You're mm. at a fucking anti-vax rally. No one wants to hear that. Yeah. It's meant to be like a vox pop that like it's carried by the, like, uh, the mainstream media. They're not leading with that. They're leading with the fact that you don't have answers and you suck at speaking. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty uh, honest, like, and I don't have any answers. Yeah, but I love modern medicine. Do you, champion? Uh, it seems like you don't. Yeah. So, But he also said that he loves ancient wisdom and natural therapies. Um, cool. Uh, same. Uh, great. So the thing is, Pete, nobody actually gives a fuck about this because you're not going into parliament to just instantly become the health minister. <laughs> if you got up and you won't, people are going to avoid you as much as possible, give you as few responsibilities as they possibly can. You're just dangerous and annoying. Even if he does accept the invitation uh, and, and there's a seat made nice and tidy that probably steam cleaned it and uh, made it available to him in the Senate, yes, it's uh, bound that they'll keep his, keep his load on policy fairly light. Yes, I, think I would imagine so because he doesn't have the answers, and he, he wasn't has, even the headliner he, of the event. He is, he is admitted publicly now that he doesn't have any answers. What a fucking train wreck! And for the last 100 episodes, you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already. Hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. You set up a Facebook page, you can find fairly easily. But promoting a podcast is easier said than done. So if you would share this episode or one of the 99 previous ones you especially enjoyed on social media, we will be eternally grateful and I won't yell at you as much. But I will yell at you next week because it's never enough. Never enough. Never satisfying. Insatiable. I'm never happy. Uh, and the Patreon is up and running, and we ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. Yeah, for as little as $5 a month, you have access to all sorts of bonus content. If you give us even more money, you get other benefits. You can watch us record the show and occasionally have Zoom things. Not nearly enough. Sorry, Phil. But we're getting there. And if we get to 1,000 patrons, which is a decent amount of money, mm. we promise Jack will revive the Eric Trump segment and suffer a case of crotch rot in sympathy. That's Ooh. just how it works. It's Munchausen's by it Trump. Could be, yeah, proxy. yeah Munch, Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it could actually be monkey, monkey pox. Uh, yes, yes, it, it, does, it does like the, the, the genitals. Be warned, though, we will start flogging water filters and interviewing Craig Kelly, simply saying, uh-huh. Uh-huh, that's right, at every mad fucking thing he says. Don't tempt us. We'll do it. So join up at patreon.com slash the conditional release program.
And finally, all feedback, dips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. As per usual, we would love to hear from you. Nothing has changed. Even if it is to wish the program a happy birthday, show up, buy us a drink, lace with Rehypnol, and congratulate us personally, Bill Cosby style. Thanks, listeners. See you next time. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me! You guys are bastards!